Good evening. Hello, sir. Or good morning. Or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good on ya. Oh, good on ya. I like that. It's Australian. You've never been there. That's, that's, a, that's a sad thing. I know. We almost... I've met many Australians, though. Well, we almost made it to New Zealand. And it's not the same thing, Aussies. I know it's not, but I'm oh, saying... We just lost any Australian. Did we have potential. any? Did we? No, they listened to like this, and they're like, I'm out. How'd they say that? Aussie. I'm out. Out. I'm out. I haven't been there, but I've met many of them. Should we get this thing going? Yep. Hi, everybody. Welcome to A Guy. A Bride. And a Bible. I'm Mark. I'm the guy. I'm Andrea. The Bride. And uh, we're going to read the Bible tonight. Moving right along. We're going to read Second Samuel 1, Psalm 41. Oh, no. Sorry. Second, Second Samuel, Samuel 2. 2, Psalm 41. We're starting a new book. We are starting... Ezekiel. Oh my gosh. And <sighs> That's rounding gonna... it out with Luke 8, 22 to 56. Ezekiel's deep. When we get up there, Ezekiel 36, 37. Oh my gosh, those prophecies. That's not going to be until... Man, it's working. October. No, I'm just... All right, let's do this. I look, I look forward to it. Let's do it. Let's do this like Brutus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pray. Okay. Dear God, please quiet our hearts and our minds and help us to focus and to hear from you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to understand things even when we just, as humans, can't comprehend. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for our marriage. And I pray that these words can truly get into our hearts and change us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Boom. Booming. I uh, want to encourage you if you're listening. Thank you for listening. I want to encourage tell you your friends. to tell your friends. I also want to ask humbly if you wouldn't mind helping us out by liking it and sharing it. Oh, I have to do it. Sorry. Don't you feel like a salesperson a little bit? No, because I'm not selling anything. I'm just asking them to help us out. Not yet. Not till we have merch. Oh. Merch. No, I don't know about merch. Someday maybe. You're already thinking about it. It's fun to have fun things, though. Mark has right. an MBA. It's like in his DNA. It happens. In his MBA to do a PSA. I've done those. Okay. Okay. Second time meal, too. I just drank my water. It happened after this that David inquired of Yahweh. <laughs> what? He's trying to do like a dramatic read. Yeah, there. I was like Captain Kirk. Uh, it happened. Can after you just this, be Mark Alexander? David. Hey, oh. Mr. Alexander the Great. Oh, oh, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Do I have to call you that now? You already do. <laughs> <laughs> you set me oh, up. Oh, ladies, that. that's when you walk right into something, you know? Walk okay. right into that glass door, freshly polished, didn't see Let's it. Just Boom! Go ahead and start over. Okay. Water down the pipe. David moves to Hebron. We've been moving on up to Hebron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what's on the east side. Here we go. Mm. It happened that after this, that David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go up 
into one of the cities of Judah. And Yahweh said to him, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? And he said, move it on up to Hebron. So David went up there along with his two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the wife of Nabal. The widow. Uh, the Carmelite. Thank you for saying widow. My actual translation here on faithlife.com. He did. Said wife. He did. Yeah, I know he did. All right. Also, David brought up his men who were with him, each with his own household, and they all settled in towns of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and they anointed David there as king over the house of Judah. And they told David, the men of Jabesh Gilead buried Saul. Little little fun fact there. Fun fact um, time. I read the Ryrie New American Standard Study Bible. Mm-hmm. Just for some context here, did you know that, you know, it's David's second anointing mm-hmm. as king over Judah. Mm-hmm. How many years do you think it was between Samuel and now? Because mm. he was just a wee boy. He was a wee boy. Like I'm a gonna, teenager, right? I'm going to say it's 25 years. Mm-hmm. 15. 15. And then a third anointing will designate him king over all Israel. So this is king over Judah. Mm-hmm. Only 15 years. A lot has happened to the man. First off, he's been homeless. He also has two wives now. Mm-hmm. He's killed about 15,000 people. Well, most of them are Philistines. It's okay. What if some of our listeners are Philistines? I don't think by that's race. a thing. I, I don't think that's a thing. Okay. If you are, we love you. <clears throat> That'd be weird. Okay. Anyway, right. 15 years later. So, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by Yahweh, because you did this loyal love with your Lord, with Saul, and you buried him. Now may Yahweh show loyal love and faithfulness with you. I will also show the good with you that you have done in this matter. So then let your hands be strong and be valiant. For your Lord Saul is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me as king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had taken Ish-bosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, And he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over Israel, all of it. Ish-bosheth, the son of uh, Saul, was 40 years old when he became king over Israel, and he reigned two years. That was all. However, the house of Judah followed David. The number of days David was king over Hebron, over the house of Judah, was seven years, six months. Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out to went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. Then Joab, or Job, the son of I caught a sneeze. I'm sorry. Then Job, Joab, the son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah, and the servants of David. I'm so sorry. I'm crinkling went out, and they met at the pool of Gibeon. The one group sat at one side of the pool, and the other sat at the other side of the pool. Abner, son of Ner, said to Job, Let the young men come up and fight in our presence. 
And Job said, let him come up. What is going on? Yeah, I'm already so lost. Oh my gosh. I just have this mental picture, and I am so sorry for this mental picture, of you got these kind of fat and lazy guys on one side of a pool. <laughs> and you got these other fat lazy guys on the other side of the pool, and they're like, hey, let's fight our boys. Come on. Hey, oh, hey you, you, go fight him. It just makes me you think fight. of like... That's what I think of. Armchair... Quarterback. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. They're like, oh, my team. I haven't played football ever, and now I'm, you know. I really don't want to pick certain stereotypical geographical men from certain regions of America to settle this, but it sure sounds like Midwestern versus East Coast. Okay. If I were to say a Green Thank Bay Packer fan versus a New York Giants fan. Anybody who might, you know. So. Okay. Cigar Let him fight. Chomp. Okay. Let him fight. Fight it up. In this corner. Hey, uh, what's the first rule about Fight Club? Nobody talks about Fight Club. We're, t- we're reading about Fight Club. How fight cool club. is it that I knew that line? It's actually pretty awesome because I never saw the movie. I wasn't a bad. I pick. saw the I saw the trailer. I didn't see so the trailer. I, can quote I, it. I don't like Ed Norton. Sorry, Ed. Come to Jesus. Yeah. And Brad Pitt. Ed, you're annoying. But oh, Brad. Don't. I wasn't a fan of the shirtless Brad back in the day. Sorry. Although Brad, you were raised up in a Baptist family. Come back to Jesus. We love you. Um, Brad. Feel free to join the show anytime. Absolutely, call yeah. us in. Ed, you're annoying. Ed, come to Jesus. Oh, sorry, guys. Let's get back to this. So. That was so funny. I'm sorry. I'm cracking up inside. So they came forward and passed by a number, 12 for Benjamin and for Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 for the servants of David. Let's get ready to, to rumble. rumble. Oh, then, my dad loved that. Okay, go ahead. Did he like that guy? He was a boxer? Your dad liked boxing? Yeah, but he's like the announcer guy that yeah. just, yeah. Oh, brought me back to my dad right there. You're welcome. Then each seized his opponent by the head. And he thrust his sword in the side of his opponent, so they fell together. What a useless death. So they called the name of that place Alkath Hazurim, which is in Gibeon. They only had one move. They only had one move. And they all did at the same time. They all did at the same time. They, you know what? They all had the same trainer. It's a problem. Okay, that was I quick. I don't understand the story on so many levels. Go ahead. Okay. Then each seized his opponent by the head, seven to the side, give me in. Verse 17. Then the battle became increasingly fierce on that day. And Abner, son of Ner, and the men of Israel were defeated before the servants of David. Because, dude, they ain't going to take it. Mm-mm. The three sons of Zariah were there. Job and Abishai and Asha, Asahel. Asahel. Now, Issachel was swift with his feet as one of the gazelles, which is in the open field. So he pursued Abner, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left from going after Abner. Dude sprinted straight on. Abner turned around and said, Are you this Asahel? Asahel? Chel? And he said, Yep. Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right or to your left. Seize for yourself one of the young men and take his belongings for yourself. Take out one of my men. But uh, Asahel, 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 was not willing to turn aside from Abner. So 
Abner said to him once again, for your own sake, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you down to the ground? How could I show my face to Joab, your brother? But he refused to turn. So Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of the spear. And the spear went out of his back. Oh my gosh. He fell there and died on the spot. The spear. If it was Saul's spear, I'm just going to lose it. Then all who came to the place where Esachel fell and died just stood there. Tell me your says something else. 24, 23. Stood still. Stood still. So Joab and Abishai pursued Abner when the sun went down. Then they came to the hill country of Amach, which is before Giach, on the way to the wilderness of Gibeon. The descendants of Benjamin rallied after Abner, and they became as one fighting group and stood on top of a certain hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Will the sword devour forever? Do you not know that there will be bitterness in the end? How long will you not tell the people to turn away from pursuing their brothers? And Joab said, As God lives, for if you had not spoken, the people would surely have gone up in the morning, each one of them from following after his brother. Then Joab blew on the trumpet, and all the people stopped, and they no longer pursued after Israel, and they did not fight with them again. Then Abner and his men went through the Arabah all night long, all that night, and they crossed over the Jordan. They went all the forenoon and came to Mahanaim. After Job returned from pursuing Abner, he gathered all the people. Nineteen of his servants of David were missing, along with Ashahel. The servants of David had killed some of the Benjamites among the men of Abner. Three hundred and sixty men had died. Then they picked up Asahel and buried him in the grave of his father, which was at Bethlehem. Job and his men went all that night arriving in Hebron at first light. What was the point? It was, it was a fight. It, I, I don't want to say war. So the whole thing, here's my total brawl. Here's commentary. Go. I'm just going to do some selected ones. Chapters 2 to 4 record the conflict between, this is so sad, between two rivals, David, who took the throne of Judah, and Ish-bosheth, Saul's surviving son, who occupied the throne in Israel. Mm-hmm. It's like Saul's son is just taken over. He wants to be king. He wants all the but stuff. he's just doing the same crap as Saul. Yeah. Sorry, same... Crap. Okay. Mayhem. Okay. <clears throat> I said the second anointing thing. Okay. 2-7. Therefore, let your hands be strong and valiant. For Saul, your Lord is dead. Um, it says this tacit invitation to the people of Jabesh Gilead to join his kingdom was also a shrewd play by David since the people lived to the north of Ishbosheth's capital. And then 2, 8 through 9, Ishbosheth, which is man of shame. Again, did they know that when they named him that? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and name you man of shame. Well, it might not have been he was a man of shame. Somebody in his Just saying. ass was a man of shame. Was crowned king over the northern tribes and transjordan. Abner used this weak king as a front for his own ambitions. And who was mm-hmm. Abner again? Just the son of Ner? Commander Abner's of Saul's father Nur was Saul's okay, so he, uncle. He is... Saul, Saul's he's probably uncles. a little jealous of Saul, and then he's he he's like the second in command to the king again. Yeah. Not second in command, you know. The right hand man. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then two ten through eleven difference in lengths of reigns. Ishbosheth two years, David seven half years. 
Maybe because Ishbosheth did not take the throne immediately, but required five years to recover the northern territory from the Philistines. Those Philistines. Yeah. I bet you if they would have united, they could have taken over the Philistines. Maybe, perhaps if they had taken them out before they became the Philistines in the book of uh, Deuteronomy. I'm saying even here. Okay, and then 2.13, Joab, David's nephew, commanded David's army and was a valiant, valiant, capable, and unscrupulous warrior devoted to his king. 14, hold a contest. Have a contest between champions in behalf of the opposing armies. So the champions just died. Well, the, pur- the whole purpose of that was so that you didn't lose your entire army or half your army. It was one of those things like, all right, we got limited resources, limited men. Yeah, but they all died, and then they did mm-hmm. lose their army. Exactly. Okay, 216. Helkath Hazarim is field of sword edges. The death of all 24 contestants made the representative battle inconclusive, and a general battle was necessary, because of what you just said. Zeruiah was David's sister. Uh, oh, the three sons of Zeruiah, his, so his sister. Ash, Asahel was Joab's younger brother, pursued Abner, who, after two warnings, killed him. So I don't think Abner really wanted to do that. And he kept trying to call him off, but uh, Asahel was really fast. He was like Forrest Gump fast. But, no, I'm saying Abner was like, don't do this, man, yeah, don't do this. I'll have to take you out, and I know I could take you out. I don't want to take you out. Yeah. Please don't come any closer. Why'd he do it? So, he, it's survival. He gave him every chance. No, why was Asahel going after him so much? Because, because Abner was the leader. He wanted to take him out. So, just pride, again? Not pride, it was just that whole thing of war. Okay. You don't understand the stuff. Yeah, it's, well, war it's not even war, it's... This is like this. It's, it's just not like war, war. This is like a civil. Uh, I don't know. It's okay. not the Jets versus the Sharks. This is a little bit more intense than that. Nobody's snapping their fingers, babe. Okay. Um, 227. Had Abner not issued a challenge, the conflict would have been avoided altogether. Exactly. And then Araba is the wasteland of the Rift Valley. North Among the men of the Abner, sea. 360, uh, it says here, Abner lost 18 times more men than David. Okay. That's intense, guys. That's a lot of, a lot of battle. That's, I mean, you pretty much lost everybody. Psalm 41. Oh, by the way, if you, uh, if you wrote to us about um, listening to... Psalm 40 by YouTube. Thank you. We haven't listened to anything yet because we haven't published this one yet, but just want to be a little preempted. Okay, Psalm 41. David's amplification of the beatitude later recorded in Matthew 5 includes instruction, instructing the congregation that the merciful will receive mercy, mm. recalling his experience with those who did not show mercy and praising God who did. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. And he shall be called blessed among the earth, upon the earth. And do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness you restore him to health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die and his name perish? 
and when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt, saying, A wicked thing is poured out upon him, that when he lies down he will not rise up again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are pleased with me, because my enemy does not shout and triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and you set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. So mm-hmm. all I got is 41.9, his betrayal by a false friend pictures Judas's betrayal of Christ, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where this verse is quoted, omitting the phrase, in whom I trusted. Mm-hmm. 4.10, repay his enemies for their treachery. And then the doxology marks the close of book one of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. There are three books of Psalms, I think. Okay. Um, Sweet yes. It is sweet and simple. I I love reflecting on Psalms an awful lot. Just it's one of my preferences in life, really. Um, my little note here: it's a Thanksgiving Psalm. The psalmist recounts Yahweh's blessing and provision to those who are generous, to the impoverished or poor. The psalmist also recounts that when others gave up on him, and offered no comfort, he asked Yahweh for help and was upheld. In the concluding verses, a doxology. So it's, it is a real simple cut and dry right to you, but it is a continuance of the promises and assurances of Yahweh providing everything we need as we're following after him. Even we, I mean, you look at this and um, David or one of his writers, we, have, we still have poor, impoverished people in here. We have disasters. We have uh, enemies. Um, illness. Have illness. We have all these things that just hit you and hit you and hit you. And we got this one person, my enemy speak evil about me. And they say, well, when will he die? When is his name going to perish? And when one comes to see me, he speaks harshly and says, his heart gathers disaster for itself. So, I mean, you see that all this, it's not an easy life is what I'm trying to get to, according to David. But Yahweh protects him and keeps him alive. He is blessed in land. You do not give him into the will of his enemies. You sustain him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. I mean, it's so beautiful to realize that Yahweh is present at our darkest times, all of our darkest times. Mm -hmm. Even when we're in grief, even when we're in sorrow, even when we're feeling that cry out that says, Oh God, where are you? Mm-hmm. He is there. He's grieving with. He's comforting with. I mean, that's what I love about reading the Psalms. This is a Thanksgiving Psalm. This isn't even a lament. Mm-hmm. That's just powerful to me. That really, This really hits me pretty good today. Go ahead, babe. What am I reading, babe? Uh, I'm going to start us out with the intro to Ezekiel. Easy, what up, bruh? So it's written by Ezekiel. The date is 592 to 570 BC. And because of my problem with dates, this is after Daniel. Is that right? Uh, 592, I believe. Yeah, Daniel's like 560. Because Daniel's after Ezekiel in the Bible. But I just, I think it just, it's nice to put these pieces together, isn't it? I think. It is. So Daniel was 537. Oh, no, Daniel was after this. 
Jeremiah was before? Yeah, well, I've got Ezekiel 593 to 571. Nebuchadnezzar still kicking around in 597. Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem. I'm just going to see. So Ezekiel Jeremiah. is like pre-Daniel. Okay. And then Jeremiah. That's where I was. Okay. So Jeremiah 627 to 585. To 585. So it goes, Eze it goes Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Yes. In order. See, that helps. It does help. Okay, so this is in between the two we just read. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and the prophet of a priestly family, Ezekiel, whose name means God strengthens, spent his early years in Jerusalem until he was taken with other hostages by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon in 597. There he settled in his own house in a village near Nippur along the river Chebar. Nebuchadnezzar's royal canal in Babylonia. He prophesied for at least 22 years. His wife died in 587. Ezekiel's ministry to the exiles in Babylon was at the same time as that of Jeremiah to the Jews in Palestine and of the early years of the ministry of Daniel. For the important events of that period, see the introduction to Jeremiah. So his ministry was to the exiles in Babylon and Jeremiah's was to the Jews in Palestine. So Correct. different audiences, same approximate time period yes okay that's kind of cool ezekiel's ministry was to keep before the exiles the sins that had brought god's judgment on them and to assure them of god's future blessing and keeping with his covenant chapters 121 through 24 were written before the fall of jerusalem to remind his fellow captives that god's judgment on the city and temple was surely coming chapters 33 to 48 contained prophecies of the still future restoration of israel in the millennial kingdom important messianic sections in the book are 17, 21, 34. The overthrow of Gog is described in chapters 38 and 39, and the millennial temple in worship in chapters 40 to 48. Mm. All right, we're going to hear some stuff, man. It's a long one. Yeah, this we're going to be nesting here for a bit. Uh, yeah, so, let me just see. I think we're just reading, yeah, chapter one. Tomorrow it's two and three. Losers. Okay. Uh, outline is a four-part outline. Um, Ezekiel 1 through Ezekiel 24 is the oracles against Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, Ezekiel 25 through Ezekiel 32 is the oracles against foreign nations. Uh, Ezekiel 33 through 39, prophecies of restoration. And 40 to 48, a restored temple. So, um, man, I'm really, really, really looking forward to this. This is great. Okay. okay. Go for it. Again, preface this with one thing. We, lot mm -hmm. of symbolism in this. Yes. Tremendous. We're going to do a little bit, not a dive. We'll do a splash. Yes. We'll splash around in it because it's really fascinating. And we are not theologians. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to go visit the Naked Bible Podcast and the Bible Project for any deep dives you want to hit with and Ezekiel. And your own study Bible commentary things. And your own you study totally Bible. You can totally do that. Well, you can, yes. Yeah. And this is also helps you with right. those. Both of these guys are, are Hebrew scholars. That's right. why I suggest that. But I'm just saying, we've learned that even just cracking it open and looking at it. Yes. It's very helpful. Yep. We're yeah, reading. Go to the experts, too. We're totally sure. reading in plain text. Um, there's a lot of helps online. Uh, I'm just giving you my, my guys that I like to, to listen to for deep dive stuff. Okay. You're making this sound like super intense here. Well, it is super intense. This is awesome stuff here. Okay. This is both past and future coming up. Okay. And it was in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, in the third hour, 
in the sixth minute. And I was in the midst of the exiles by the Kibar River. Little note, Kibar River is uh, the river Kibar. Okay. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year. Sydney's excited, too. Sydney, are you excited? Sydney's like, Ezekiel! Calm down, babe. Good news. Our little doodle. Sorry, guys. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of the king Jehoiachin. Or Jehoiachin. The word of Yahweh came clearly to Ezekiel, the son of Buzi. Buzzy. The priest in the land of the Chaldeans in the Kibar River, and, and the hand of Yahweh was on Ezekiel there. And I looked, and look, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud and a fire flashing back and forth, and brightness around and within it. And from its midst it was like the outward appearance of amber stone from the midst of the fire. And from its midst was the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. A human form, each had four faces. What a trip. And each of them had four wings. Let's see my little notes here. I'm going to take it slow. Four faces, and each of them had four wings. And their legs were straight legs, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of the foot of a calf, and they were sparkling like the outward appearance of polished bronze. And under their wings were human hands on their four sides, and their faces and their wings, for the four of them were as follows. Their wings were touching one another, each of them straight forward, uh, without turning left or right. The likeness of their faces was the face of a human in front, the face of a lion on the right of each of them, and the face of an ox on the left, and the face of an eagle on the back. So were the faces, their wings spread out upward. Each had two touching one another and two covering their bodies, and each went straight forward, Wherever the spirit went, they went, and they did not turn as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches. If it was moving to and fro between the living creatures, and the fire was very bright, and lightning was going out from the fire, and the living creatures were speeding to and fro, like the appearance of lightning. I'm going to take a pause. That's a lot, a lot of stuff. So let me, I want to jump into my commentary real quick here. Um, I want to hit this up. Verse 5. The Hebrew word for likeness of demuth, D-E-M-U-T-H, which may be translated likeness. It occurs 25 times in the Old Testament, 16 times here in Ezekiel, uh, 10 times in chapter 1 and 4 times in chapter 10. They describe the living beings and the divine chariot. It also denotes a simple comparison. So Ezekiel uses it to distance himself as he describes the indescribable divine manifestation. All right. The four living creatures. I don't know about you, but I was having a hard time just imagining it. Yeah, it kind of freaks me out. Just go. Not yeah, going to lie. That's okay. And I don't know if I need to it fully would... understand it. I think that the big picture mm -hmm. is 
this was an unmistakable supernatural encounter and he yeah. was just trying to explain like well, there's no way he could even really describe it and he was trying the best he could to he was being it. as specific as possible right so but, I, I mean can you just i'm just imagining oh, how yeah. i would feel if that if i saw that i'd be like what is going on here this is straight up from the unseen realm by michael heiser he has some great stuff on this okay ezekiel uses the nondescript hebrew word Chayah, for a living being here, rather than a more specific term for heavenly beings known as cherubim or cherubim or seraphim. The term emphasizes that Ezekiel is uncertain, like you just said, as to what he's seen, since cherubim simply means animate being. Ezekiel's second encounter with the divine betrayer in Ezekiel 10 specifically refers to the beans as cherubim, fitting the imagery of Yahweh riding a cherub. Ezekiel's depiction resembles the apostle. Anyway, okay, I don't want to too fall on this. My point being, these are terrifying. Yes. If we want to just combine, come, say, okay, these are cherubim, which we can, as that's the word used by Ezekiel, the cherubim were first put on top of the Ark of the Covenant and the wings touching each other. That was one of the first images that man saw of them. So that's where we kind of have on earth an idea. But I want to point one thing out. These aren't demons. These are creatures out of the unseen realm, out of the presence of yeah, the Father. Yeah, it doesn't say that he's scared. Oh, i he got. I'm, well, he's not afraid that it's evil because he heard... Correct, it's not evil, but he's still scared. It said that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. So I think that he had... I'm sure he was like in awe, but it wasn't yeah. like a they weren't attacking him. Correct. They were not attacking him. I'm glad you made that that That's distinction. That's what I've heard from it. But I just think I mean, of today because I'm just thinking these things are running about like bolts of lightning. Yeah. Instant transportation. Boom, boom, boom. Bolts of lightning. Yeah. Like I would be I'm glad that he seemed to know at the onset that these were godly things. And nothing to be terrified of. Because I would have been scared. I think I saw a, an artist rendition of this one time. And it was not pretty. It was terrifying. Because they were, they were specific to this description. I'm going to get going just a minute over on uh, verse 13. But the... Uh, the... Um, the Renaissance, when they painted cherubim, what did they paint? What was the image? You know, like the fat little angels. Fat little angels. Fat little naked babies. How do you get fat little naked babies out of that? Because fat little, fat little naked babies aren't scary. <clears throat> yeah, and they're not accurate either. No, like you don't have to change anything you do. To, like that's people that say like, oh, angel, my angel wish or my angel guide or whatever. Keep going. Yeah, I'm with you. Keep going. Like you don't have to, like they're just these sweet little babies. So I want to take note uh, and I will give credit to Tim Mackey for this. Um, this blew my mind because he touched on this in one of the podcasts I was listening to where he said, this is the only angel class, quote-unquote, described in Scripture that has feathers. I know, you're all it into this me. stuff. and it's, I'm so into this stuff. and I'm gonna, I gotta say, though, I gotta say, I think it's awesome that you're really into it, but I don't see, personally, yeah. how, like, getting into all those details, I don't see how that really makes us... I was about to touch that. Okay. 
Thank what, you. I what, think it's important. I, it, there's a bit of a buildup to it. But what I'm saying is, and you just touched on it, we have so much of our um, theological imagery that we depend on today came from sources that were not theologically sound from the past. White chubby angels with wings, with gold harps and halos. And people today still saying, well, my angel and his wings and this and that. All of that's false. There's, we just read Daniel. No angel in Daniel had wings. And he met with angels a bit, did he not? Okay. And they appeared like men. So my point is, if you, listening to us, know of somebody with an angel story, you might even have one yourself or what have you, and you're going to tell people about the, the wings of the angel, um, pause that story because it's probably not true. As according to scripture, your angel should have had six wings, four faces, and a so whole lot of terror. the thing that you're hearing about might be a counterfeit. Oh, absolutely. I would say it's That's, a counterfeit or a lie. I think it just helps to me, like, what's our real point with talking about this? Because if it's yeah. just trivia, that to me is like, we, we don't want to If it was trivia, get... it wouldn't be in the Bible like this. No way. You, you know what I'm saying, Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the bigger thing that's important is, are people being led astray mm-hmm. because of a false idea? Correct. Or an incorrect knowledge thing. Like feathers falling in churches. You no. Know? Okay. Um, not a good thing. Oh. Yeah. Enough said. Just lost a listener there, but just kidding. I don't think they would be listening to us. Keith is not going to leave us. No, I'm just saying. I got you. No, we're talking about the Bible. So. I, I know. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't want to take a Pretty breath. Pretty low likelihood of that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I said it. I said it. Oh, you did. All okay. right. Let me go back to verse 13. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches. It was moving to and fro between the living creatures, and the fire was very bright, and the lightning was going out from the fire, and the living creatures were speeding to and fro like the appearance of lightning. And I saw the living creatures, and look, a wheel was on the earth beside each of the living creatures that had four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their construction was like the appearance of beryl. B-E-R-Y-L. It's not Which is the gold color of topaz quartz. Correct. Or my, my note says chrysolite or topaz. The stone is difficult to identify exactly. It's just what he had in his imagery. And they all looked alike. And their appearance and their construction was like a wheel within a wheel. Or as Carmen would have sung, a wheel within a wheel. Never mind. My oldness. Uh, I love that. When they moved, they went toward their four sides. They did not veer at all as they went. And their rims were high and awesome. I just had a picture of a cool Chevy. And all four of them, their rims were full of eyes all around. It's weirder. So commentary for that. I'm just going to say, because if I try to go back, it's going to make sense. Feel free. Full of eyes, and Ryrie's take on that is indicates God's ability to see all. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, eyes, 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 eyes. I moved to nineteen. And at the going of the living creatures, the wheels next to them also went. And when the creatures were lifted from the ground, the wheels also rose. 
Wherever the spirit went, they would go there. And the wheels rose, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. At their going, they go, and at their standing, they stood. And at their being lifted up on the earth, the wheels rose, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I just want to say one thing real quick. This is not a biblical UFO. So for those of you who use this for that, stop it. Continue. Now the likeness above the heads of the living creature was an expanse like the outward appearance of awesome ice spread out above their heads upward. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight one toward the other. So mine, instead of ice, it says an awesome gleam of crystal. like it. The Hebrew word means literally frozen water. And then commentary... Which looks like crystal. Commentary says, Ezekiel saw a platform over the heads of the living creatures dazzling like crystal or ice. Man, that is just... Still with the uh, trip. And we do not see that he took mushrooms. Okay. And under the expanse, your wings were stretched out one toward another. They had two wings covering them, and they had two wings covering their bodies. And I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the voice of Shaddai. And when they moved, there was a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. And there was a sound from above the expanse that was above their heads. And when they stood, they lowered their wings. And from above the expanse that was above their heads, there was a likeness of a throne looking like a sapphire. And above the likeness of the throne was a likeness similar to the appearance of a man on it, but above it. And I saw something like the outward appearance of amber, something like the appearance of fire with a covering around it from the likeness of his lions and upward. Loins. Loins, I'm so sorry. Loins and upward. And from the likeness of his loins and downward, I saw something like the appearance of fire and it was radiant all around like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on a rainy day. Such was the radiance around it. Thus was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Yahweh. And I saw and I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. That's the first chapter. Okay, so the only thing I want to add, 26 through 28, the description suggests that Ezekiel saw a fiery brightness that had human shape and which he knew to be living and personal. However, illuminating appearances of God were in Old Testament times. They, however, illuminating appearances of God were in Old Testament times. They could not effect redemption. God not merely appearing as a man, but becoming man in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, so he could die, was essential for the work of redemption. Ezekiel could not have seen God directly, or he, or he would have died. But seeing the glory of the Lord in Babylon assured him that God had not deserted his people. Mm. So it was like a precursor. Oh, without right. a doubt. Now, here's the thing. Let's talk about purpose real quick. What was the purpose of all that? This is a vision. Well, what we're saying is that assurance that God had not deserted his people, that he was there. Okay. This whole first chapter is a vision. Meaning it was, it was not a physical thing he actually saw in the physical realm. This was 
he saw into the spiritual realm. He saw a vision of all this stuff where he turned his head, much like Jacob saw the angels going up and down the ladder, the staircase called Jacob's Ladder, you know, back in Genesis. And it was so, this is so specific and detailed. I mean, he was able to write all this down with such specificity. There's my word again. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm always in awe of Ezekiel, and it's always so heavy to me. I love it. I didn't know that you were going to love this so much. Well, it's one of those things where... I mean, obviously, my, everything in the Bible is important. Yeah. But you're just, you're, you're geeking out more than I expected. I am geeking out more. I just, again, let me just caution. We're going to move on to our next book. Please do not take chapter one of Ezekiel out of context and try to make it into proof of UFOs. Don't I do never that. Heard anybody do that. Does that really Oh that my thing? gosh, that happens a lot with a lot Come of on, peeps. A lot of crazy type on, language on happens. Monsoon. Monsoon, no ancient aliens here, please. All right. We're gonna let that uh, pass on now. Um, we're going to our next book. Okay. We're gonna jump to the New Testament. We're gonna go to Luke eight, twenty-two to fifty-six. Now in one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. He's and very they began... tired. He does a lot. Mm-hmm. working man. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. And he was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do you have? Do we have with each other, Jesus son, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down to the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming that 
proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had been hemorrhaging for twelve years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And I know you're going to say that. I'm not. I, I'm, yes, I am. Huh? Yes, I am. What's the word, though? Zitzit. The zitzit of his cloak. Zitzit. The tassels of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing it on you. Sorry. I made it all you the way to almost made now. it. You almost made it. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she'll be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him, except Peter and James and John, and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, and he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't had a chance to watch it with you, but um, yes. there's that. It's through... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I think Revelation Media, and I don't remember exactly who made it, but there's like... They do these like live action musicals. Okay. And it was, you know, this summer I tried to have Bible time with the girls. Yes. Yeah. And there was one about Jesus. And I like musicals. I know that not everybody does. But they really did a nice job with showing the um <clears throat> the Legion guy. Okay. And the thing that really hit me watching it was like the people there saw the possibility of being healed and being restored. And they said, please go. Yeah. That just breaks my heart. Like, we they don't want, we don't want you to change more. Our, our life here. It's just, it is one of those mysteries of our own fallen nature. Yeah. To where we would rather live in our sin than be freed by Christ. It exists today. That's an incredible point. Incredible point you make there. Um, Legion, is, so verse 30, Legion means 3,000 to 6,000. I'm not quite sure where they get that from. Could that be I'll like an it, army term? I don't know. Um, it could be. It, it could be an army and then term. The abyss Let me is see. Mine plate. actually says, just to let you know, a Roman legion consists of five to 6,000 troops, thus indicating a massive horde of demons. And Luca Mark and include the detail but Matthew omits it so I think you're right it's 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 the arm they're tying it to the Roman legion it, I, mean, I think it just means it's a bunch of us and just I mean I've had to restrain people like in the emergency room yeah and like the strongest type of restraints that basically 
I have never heard of anybody getting out of are leather restraints. Mm-hmm. So four point, so like arms and legs and leather restraints is, it's with a lock and the nurse holds on to the lock and the key, or the key. And this guy was breaking out of like chains. Chains. That's a big deal. Yeah. So just the torment that guy must have felt. For his life. Yeah. You know. And the ostracized, you know, he's ostracized. He's not with his family. Yeah. He's he's basically treated like a wild animal. Yeah, because that's how he's behaving. But that's, you know, he's outside, I would assume, right? Yeah. So. Okay, and then the abyss in 831, the place to which all evil spirits will ultimately be consigned. And that's from Revelation. And then official 841, an administrator who was responsible for the maintenance of the synagogue. Um... And Dr. Luke, in 43, makes it clear that the chronic bleeding was incurable. And then the fringe of his cloak is a tassel that a rabbi wore on his outer garment. The garment was draped over the back, so the tassel of one corner hung between the shoulder blades. And then she had not died, but was asleep. The mourners looked on as de- on death as irreversible, so Christ called it sleep. Though, since, though the girl was actually dead, she'd be awakened to life once again. Mm-hmm. I love this telling by Luke. Mm-hmm. I really do, because of the, you know, the acts. If you if this were played, be the acts, you know, the acts of the legion. Well, actually, let's back up the storm. The legion, the healings. You know, it's it's so incredible and in how <laughs> Jesus. Excuse me. She's okay. And how Jesus um, was calm in the storm, where he was calm. In each one of these, he was so assured of who he was mm-hmm. and what would the outcome would be. But he was also kind with people who were freaking out. So kind. It was so kind. He didn't, like, he did say, like, where's your faith? But it doesn't mean that he said it. He still calmed it for them, and he still stayed with them. Exactly. Um I don't, I don't need to go into too much. I, we talked about the ZT before. This is the third um, example of that happening. We just had David cutting Saul's from his garment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when Jesus' um, uh, authority is on his garment right there as well, and that's what she touches. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, years and years ago, I like to do a bit of writing, and I wrote a story slash play based on this scene of Jesus going to Jairus's daughter and getting interrupted in the way, and it was from the from the life of this woman, and I named her Abigail, and then I named her friend like Deborah Dorcas or something like that. And give her a friend, and basically she's on death's door. She's done. Everyone's ostracized her. She's bleeding. It's she's not to be touched. She's unclean. And she had no more money left. She was staying with her friend. And she had just gone to um, basically let herself pass away in this bedroom. When her friend bursts into the room, she says, the master's coming. And she's like, what? Jesus. Jesus is coming. And basically, she didn't even know who Jesus was. And so she got a quick, you know, her friend tells her this really quick. And helps her to go out there. And right when they walk out the door into the street... The throng hits them and separates them both. So now she's literally being held up 
by the crowd because she can't even stand. This is how I saw it. Mm-hmm. And then she saw Jesus. She realized who he was. And she dove at him or fell toward him just to try to grab him to hold on and beg for something, whatever he had. And on the way to the ground, all she could reach was his seat seat. Mm-hmm. And she pulled it and fell as she fell to the ground. That's how I see that imagery happening. Not like she was skulking in the crowd and darted her hand in really fast. I see it as her falling through. Anyway, I wrote that and um, just to bring some texture to it. And so I always love it when I read that. Um, but I want to encourage people that there was a claymation written called The Miracle Maker. You can rent that on uh, Amazon Prime, I think. And you can also order the DVD. It's a claymation with uh, Joseph Fine's um, voice of Jesus, I think it was. And um, it was done by uh, Mel Gibson. He funded it. But it's from the... The story is told from Jairus and his daughter from this part of the story and how they had a relationship seeing Jesus for his three years and how Jesus heals his daughter and there's legion in it. There's Mary Magdalene. There's all of it. It's an, it's a fantastic movie to show for kids and salvation. So I, anyway, I just want to touch on that. I'm done. I'm out. We're good. God is good. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel. We got David being crowned king. We got Psalms moving us through it. Jesus knee deep in his ministry, healing people, delivering. It's awesome. God is good today as he was then. And our enemy is as active as he was then. So let us pray for all that is happening in our world that God does his mightiest through his church, through his spirit through his word, into our lives. We hope you guys have enjoyed this. Um, Thank you so much for following us along. We're loving this journey. I know I am. I love you so much, babe. Love you too. So give us a shout out to Andrea and Mark A at gmail.com. Andrea in Mark A at gmail.com. And we look forward to talking to you guys and spreading some word. Bye. Bye.